Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are or where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Would you rather be a hedgehog or a fox? Okay, hands up for hedgehog. Okay, a lot of hedgehogs over here. It's a bit of peer pressure over here in the hedgehog thing, yeah? Right, would you rather be a fox? Hands up for foxes, yes. A lot of foxes, a lot of hedgehogs. Okay, now, according to American business expert Jim Collins, it's better to be a hedgehog than a fox. I know, yes, some of you looking very sad. And the reason he says it's better to be a hedgehog than a fox is because he says the fox knows many things. Okay, they're smart, they're cunning, they're sly, all that. But the hedgehog only knows one big thing. And he says it's more important to know one big thing than many, many small things. He's basically saying it's better, what Jim Collins is saying, it's better to figure out the most important thing in life and what that is, that one thing, and to focus your entire life on that, than to focus on lots of different things and to be pulled in lots of different directions, okay? So that's why he says, a hedgehog is better than a fox. Do we agree with that? What the thing that the hedgehog knows? The thing that the hedgehog knows is how to survive. That's what the thing that the hedgehog knows. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was how to survive before cars were invented because the spikes work and then cars came along and then that was just completely out the window. <laughs> yes. But yeah. So there we go. So I think if you, if you follow the analogy, okay, rather than thinking about cars driving over hedgehogs. <laughs> yes. Yes, okay, foxes die by cars as well. Cars is the great equalizer of foxes and hedgehogs. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I didn't. But I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to roll with it anyway. Well, I'm basically going to say Apostle Paul's like a hedgehog, but then you're just going to think, yeah, he gets killed by cars. But um, <laughs> where I'm trying to go, all right, <laughs> it's all fun. Where I'm trying to go is basically say that the Apostle Paul focused on one thing, didn't he? He focused on one thing. His, his focus in life was on one thing, not particularly how to survive like a hedgehog, which hedgehogs don't do very well. But his one thing that Paul focused his entire life on in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, was this, testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's what he's like. That's what my whole life is about, testifying to the good news of God's grace. And in the passage we're going to look at this morning, which is Acts 20, verse 17 to 38, Paul encourages a bunch of church leaders to have the same focus as he does, to kind of be a hedgehog, although a more successful hedgehog than, you know, the ones we've talked about, but to focus their lives on testifying to the good news of God's grace. And I think this passage, it encourages us to do the same thing. It encourages us to make that the, the number one focus of our lives, to testify to the good news of God's grace. So basically, that's what I want to talk about this morning, how to testify to the good news of God's grace, or to put it more simply, how to show people that the good news is real, okay? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. How to show people that the good news is real. That's what Paul did. That's what he made the most important thing in his life and how we can do the same thing. Now, 
We're in Acts chapter 20, a little bit of background. So last week, Stephen uh, took us through Acts chapter 19. So basically, Paul, yeah, we've got a map here. So Paul has come to Ephesus, which is what chapter 19 is all about. He's preached the gospel, church has planted, people get saved. Then he moves on to Smyrna, Pergamum, all the way up here into Macedonia, all the way down. You can follow the arrows right down into Corinth. And then he kind of follows back up, Berea, Thessalonica, all the way back. And then he comes down, and then he dots down these islands, and he arrives at a place called Miletus, right in the center of the map there. And he's kind of come back on himself, and Miletus is about 36 miles from Ephesus. And rather than go to Ephesus, go back to Ephesus, Paul summons the elders of the church in Ephesus and says, hey, come meet me at Miletus, and, and they all, I don't know, jumped on a horse or something, and uh, went and met him at Miletus. And then basically, Paul kind of shares some stuff with these elders, and he basically says, look, this is the last time I'm going to see you. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and who knows what they're going to do to me there. This is the last time we're probably going to see each other. And then he just gives them a bunch of advice on things, and, and that's what we're going to read right now. We're going to read this final advice Paul gives these Ephesian elders. So let's read it. It's Acts chapter 20, verse 17 to 38. It will appear on the screen, or you can follow along in your Bibles. This is what Paul said. So from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that will be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. That's the line that just cuts them. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to, to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And then I love this ending, this final bit. It says, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. So that's Paul's final message to the Ephesian elders. He knows he's probably not going to see them again. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that he shares. But I think amongst that, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff there that he shows people that he basically is, is saying, look, 
Live your lives to show people that the good news is real. There's a whole bunch of things here that we can do, that Paul tells that we can do, to show people that the good news is real. And I just want to share some of them with you this morning, okay? So first thing we can do to show people that the good news is real is very simply by sharing it. Share the good news, okay? That's a bit of a no-brainer. We're to tell people about it. So verse 21, Paul says, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So Paul, I mean, there's, there's not really much depth I can put to this, really. I mean, Paul shared the good news with unbelievers, and many of them were like, yes, that's real. Yes, I believe I am a Christian. And Paul says, hey, do the same thing. That's, that's what he wants us to do. I was, uh, when I was on the plane flying to Uganda a few weeks ago, I started chatting to a guy who sat next to me on the plane. The guy lived in America, but he's originally from South Sudan. So I asked my you know, typical question. I always ask the people in that situation, I said, hey, do you have a faith? And he said he was, he was a Catholic, but you know, very nominal, very nominal Catholic. Um, and he started telling me all about his country, how South Sudan is in a, in a terrible state. Uh, he shared all about this. And I said, look, it sounds like you need God to move in your country. And he's like, yeah. Sounds like you really need to pray and get people to pray that God would change your nation. He's like, yeah. And then I shared with him a bunch of stories at times in history when God has transformed whole nations through revival. He's like, yeah, that sounds good. I'd like some of that. And then I shared basically the good news with him. And I shared stories of people's lives. I know who'd been transformed by God. And basically I was sharing all these things with him to show him that the good news is real. You know, it's powerful. It brings change. And in the hope that he's going to see, oh yeah, that's true. That's what I need. That's what I need for my people. Now, I think, and you probably know this, you, you never quite know when opportunities to share the good news come. You know, it's often when you're not very prepared or, you know, you're tired or you're like, really? Are you asking this question now? You know, like Max has started asking me lots of questions about God. But it's always in the most random places and times. You know, if you go in the car, and we're just about to get out of the car, or like we're just about to arrive at school, or, you know, all these. And, and he'll ask questions that, I don't know what it is with like seven-year-olds. The question always seems very simple at first, point, at first thought. And then you think about it, you think, oh, no, actually, that's harder, you know? The other day, uh, we're driving in the car, and he asked me, Daddy, is Jesus nice? Yes, he is nice. And the next question, is God strict? I said, like, eh. I mean, what do you mean by strict? It's like, like, like my teacher in school. Like, well, you know, and, it's, and it's, first thing, oh, I know the answer to that. And then you're like, well, uh, yeah. Now, for me, I think it's very easy. And it doesn't have to be a kid asking these questions. It could be someone, work colleague. It's very easy in these situations to, to close these questions down to close these conversations down because you feel uncomfortable because I don't know the answer, you know, and I'm not really sure what to say. And I think for me, what I'm learning to do, when it's Max asking me or when it's other people asking me, is even when I'm uncomfortable, I'm not sure the answer, to still, to still open the thing up, to still open the conversation up. And I think for me with Max, I'm, I'm trying to use those conversations to in some way sh- direct him towards sharing how God has worked in my life, to hopefully show him really that the good news is real. The good news is powerful. Okay, so we're to share the good news with unbelievers. 
I think I'm pretty much preaching to the converted here, you know? I think you all get that. Amen? We're to preach the good news to unbelievers. But we're also to share the good news with believers too. In verse 27, Paul talks about how he shared with these believers the whole will or the whole word of God, which basically means he taught them everything they needed to know about God. And then in the letters that he wrote back to them, he reminded them of all the things he taught them again and again and again and again. And it's important that we do that with each other, isn't it? You know, isn't it? Yeah. It's important that we do that with each other. You know, anyone ever walked into the kitchen to get something and then got to the kitchen and you've forgotten why you came into the kitchen in the first place? Anyone? Anyone to admit to that? Yeah? You know, and uh, you know, the older I get, the more often it happens. And, you, know, and, you know, I think we can get a little bit like that with our faith and with church. And we need our brothers and sisters in Christ to remind us what we're all about what we believe, and why we do what we do. I think that's really important, you know? Like, for me, like, leading a church, and, you know, with all that's expected of you, with that, and also having a young family with preschoolers, and also Elizabeth and I, as parents, none of them are anywhere near us. Like, I'll be honest, it can be hard sometimes, you know? And, like, some days, after a really long day, and I don't know if you ever do this, you lean on the side of the wall, on the door, and sometimes I say, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, why do we do this again? <laughs> why are we doing this again? And maybe it's just Elizabeth. Elizabeth's always like, she'll always reply like something like, because serving God and serving others and sharing the gospel is the best thing you can do in your life. It's a flourishing life, okay? She doesn't quite have the finger like that, but you know, she's like, and that's why we do it, okay? I was like, okay, yes. I believe you, Elizabeth. I do. Just needs to go from head to heart right now, you know? I do believe you. But that is, that's true, isn't it? Often we need each other to remind us that the good news still is the good news in the midst of all we're going through in life. The good news is still real. The good news still is where our hope is. And just a reminder, hey, keep going. Keep plugging on. Keep doing what you're doing. We need each other to remind us of that. That's the beauty of church. Okay, so we're to share the good news to non-believers, I think we all get that. We're to share the good news with each other, with believers. But also, I think, you know, we need to stand up for the good news to those who want to distort it as well. You know, in Uganda, like, there are some preachers who preach some crazy things, okay? Now, there's preachers who cre preach crazy things in our country as well, but in Uganda, they tend to have giant billboards on the side of the road. Um, not so much here, but... Paul says in verse 30 that these kinds of people may come to your church, and if they do, you need to be on your guard. You need to be ready to say, no, that's not right. That's not what the Bible says. No, here's what the Bible actually says. Here's what the gospel is actually all about. And, you know, when you share that to these people, they may not want to know, but it's important that we don't say this silent. We do share what the gospel is all about in these situations. And hey, who, who knows? You may be able to turn their minds. You may be able to bring them back and they realize, oh no, this is what the gospel is. But it's important that we do that, okay? So that's the first thing we can do to show people that the good news is real. Sharing it, firstly to unbelievers, then sharing it to each other as believers and also sharing it to those who want to distort the word. Now, second thing we can do to show people that the good news is real is by keeping going through hardship. Keeping going through hardship. In verses 19 and 23, Paul talks about the difficulties and hardships he's faced. 
He says in verse 19, he had some severe tests from his Jewish opponents. Now, we don't know what these severe tests were, but we, knew that they made, we know that they made Paul cry. Okay, they brought him to tears. Now, we don't typically think of Paul in tears. You know, we always seem to have this impression of Paul as like the tough guy who's busy writing half the Bible and, you know, preaching to the world. But he's in tears here. He also says that he faces prison in most of the places he goes to. He also tells us that he's been whipped, he's been beaten up. I mean, he's been through some really hard times, but he's always kept going, even when things have got hard. And the thing I want to tell you off the back of this is that, you know, people watch you very closely when you go through hardship. People watch you very closely when you go through hardship. Kim shared something at community group on Wednesday night. Sorry, Kim, I haven't asked permission to share this, but um, hopefully it's all right. Um, he's, Kim's like, what is it? Oh, gosh, I'm nervous. Um, Kim shared about when he, when he was at school, him and a bunch of his friends started up a Christian union, and they would go along to the CU um, in their school. And he said, like, people in his school ridiculed him and his friends so much, give them so much abuse for, for, for being in the Christian union. But, and, and Kim said, oh, sometimes, you know, you share on Wednesday, and some of the times you'd be like, why are we still doing this? But you did, you kept doing it, and you kept doing it. You kept going to the Christian Union each week at school. And then, then you were sharing, many years later, you met an old school friend, and he'd become a Christian. He got saved, and you're like, oh, wow, how'd you become a Christian? And he said, I became a Christian because I watched you guys going to that CU every week, and we ridiculed you so much. And I thought, if you can keep doing that, even though everybody else is ridiculing you, you've got something there. And because of that, I looked into Christianity and I became saved. Now, that's what I heard you say, Kim. I hope that's, that's kind of accurate. But, but I'm like, yeah. So, so people, but isn't it? <laughs> yeah. my, my twist on it anyway. But, but, but it's true though. People watch us closely when we go through hardship. They watch how we do it. And often just how we go through it, the fact that we keep going, is a powerful witness to people. You know, I was chatting to a, a pastor uh, from down south uh, a couple of months ago, and he, and he was sharing how a couple of years ago his eight-year-old daughter died of an asthma attack. Tragic, tragic kind of thing. And um, he was sharing about that, and he's the pastor of a church in a small town. And when you're pastor of a church in a small town, it's the biggest church in the town, everybody knows you, okay? So everybody heard about what happened. But, uh, but he, he shared about how they went through that hard time and he shared that actually the thing that we, we did was we decided we're not going to hide away. So we, my wife and I, we resolved we're going to go to church. We're going to keep going to church every Sunday, as hard as it is. Because the longer we don't go, the harder it's going to be to go back. And we, they kept going to church. They kept engaging with people in their grief. And, and also they grieved, but they grieved with hope. And the people of the town saw them grieve with hope. And, and it made people in the town think, they've got something there. People were watching them as they grieved, and it made them think, well, there, there must be something to this good news if it can bring hope in the midst of despair. Okay, so people, they watch us very closely when we're going through hardship. So if we can keep going through hardship, that's a powerful witness. Now, I don't know what some of you are going through, you may be going through hardship right now. I don't know what that might be for you, okay? It could be that you're struggling in work. It could be your hardship is, you know, you've got young kids, busy job, you're just trying to keep your head above water. 
It could be you're struggling with health issues, money issues, mental health issues. I don't know what your hardship might be. Uh, but what I want to do is I just want to encourage you all just to keep going. To, don't throw the towel in. Keep going because you never know how you keeping going through suffering might be inspiring something who is secretly watching you go through what you're going through. Okay? So that's the second thing we can do to show people that the good news is real, keeping going through hardship. Third thing we do to show people that the good news is real, which we see Paul talk about here, is being in community. Now, Paul says in verse 18, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. So we see here, Paul's saying, look, you know how I lived among you. Paul was totally plugged into the church community in Ephesus from the day he arrived until the day he left. So much so that when he came to leave, it says in verse 37, they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Now, you don't get a reaction like that when you only come to church once a month, you know, or once every six weeks. You know, like you've got to be plugged into a church community for people to react like that when you leave. Paul was completely plugged in. Paul wasn't the guy who arrived in his big, I don't know, Learjet, went into the green room, preached a sermon, and then when he was done, he kind of jetted off somewhere else. No, he was properly in the community. He loved them people, and they loved him. So yeah, I just want to encourage you. I mean, I'm preaching to the converted because you're all here, but I, I just want to encourage you to keep plugging in, keep investing in your church community as much as you can so that people cry when you leave, you know? <laughs> it's, it's a nice thing. I mean, there's some tears when you leave shows you've invested. And you know, when we really do plug into our church community, loving and serving people who are not like us, people who, like you think, the only thing we have in common is our faith in Jesus, nothing else. When people see that, when people see you're in community with people you've nothing else in common with apart from your faith, they see something, they notice something that's different, and it makes them sit up and take notice. You know, uh, a couple... uh, uh, we invited a couple from Lady Barn Church over to our house for dinner a couple of years ago. Um, Indian couple who are in their sort of uh, late 50s, early 60s. And they, on, their, on the way over to our house, they had a car accident, minor car accident. Um, no one was hurt, but a bit of damage to both cars. So they give us a phone call, says, look, sorry, we're late. We've actually been in a, in a car accident. I was like, oh, wow, where is it? So I, I basically jumped in the car, drove to where they were, and kind of stood with them. So they're there, and then eventually their, their daughter and son and his, his wife, they, they showed up to just kind of be a support. And then you've got that situation where there's the two cars, both got damaged, and you know, both people are kind of saying, it's your fault, it's your fault. And then there's the people in the other car who are kind of sort of white, working-class Manchester kind of Mancunians. They were there, and all their family starts to turn up, right? So all them there, and they're like, oh, it's your fault. And then you've got, you got um, the, the couple I'm from India and their family, they're all there. And the, 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 the people on the other side, they're looking at me, and they're looking at me, and they're like, you don't fit. You're not, you're not in our group, but you don't look like you should be in their group. You know, you're, you're white, and they're Indian. What, why are you hanging? So the guy comes over to me, and he goes, who are you? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm with them. <laughs> We're part of the same church. And he looked at me as if I had two heads, right? But, like, he saw something that was not normal. Like, normally, you wouldn't be hanging out with these people. He saw something that was different. And, like, I mean, he wouldn't be, but he saw a glimmer of what the church is supposed to be. 
And when we are like that, when we're in community, plugged in community with people who are not like us, people, they may not know it, may not be able to articulate it, but they see a little glimmer of the gospel, a little glimmer of what heaven is supposed to look like. And that's what we, that's what we saw that day. So it's a powerful thing when you're in community, when you're plugged in. And it's especially powerful in our society because being plugged into community goes completely against the individualism that pervades our society and the, and, and the loneliness that is becoming an epidemic in our society. So that's why being in community is so important. So that's the third thing we do to show people that the good news is real, be in community. Now, I'm going to do something I haven't done for many years, all right? I'm going to do a fourth point, okay? All right, I know. Three-point sermons are from heaven, and four-point sermons should not be allowed. But anyway, I just thought, right, it's here. I'm going to do it. I, I, I've thought so many times, should I just scribble it out? Will people be weird about it? I don't, anyway, fourth thing we do to show people that the good news is real is working hard. Working hard. Now, it's not the thing, oh, yeah, great, working hard. Oh, lovely. It's not the thing we're most like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to hear that. Thank you, Andy, for bringing that fourth point. But we see here, it's, it's like, it's, Paul has three verses on it. Verse 33 to 35, Paul talks about how he worked hard among the Ephesians to support himself and so he could give to others. And, you know, I think sometimes in evangelical Christianity, um, hard work gets like a bad rap. It gets a bit of a bad name. And you know why I think that is? I think it's because we're always talking about the fact that it's by grace we're saved and not works. And we just get the not works in our head. And it's almost like works equals work, work bad. You know, grace good, work bad. You know, and we kind of almost get this saying, you know, hard works bad. Now, obviously it's true. We're saved by grace, not by works. But we're still to work hard as Christians. That is a good thing. You know, we work hard so that we can give. And that's exactly what Paul did. You know, some of our most generous givers at church work hard in their jobs so that they can give, so that they can be generous. And the money that they give funds ministries through which people get saved. You know, Elizabeth, I mean, she's on kids' work. She's not here, so I can say what I want. But um, Elizabeth, you know, she's often on kids' work three out of four Sundays. Now, she works hard at that because she wants these kids to come and realize that the good news is real. Now, many of you are often on rotas, on two or three rotas. You're often serving most Sundays at church. And, you know, your hard work enables the church to function. Okay, so when believers come along and hear the gospel, which, you know, a lot of them came along to carol service and various things, your hard work has helped to make that happen. That's just some of the ways how working hard helps people see that the gospel is real. So I just want to encourage you to keep going, you know? Like last week, this half term, it was half term, I don't know, it's not Stockport half term, it's Manchester half term. Um, we had all the kids for the whole week. And I said to Elizabeth at some point, I was like, Elizabeth, man, this is hard work. Ah, why am I surprised it's hard work, but it's hard work. And Elizabeth was like, yeah, she was full of like, you know, pithy little things last week. She was like, yes, it is hard work, but we're laying foundations in these kids' lives, which is a lot of hard work right now without seeing much fruit but in many years' time, we will see the fruit of our hard work. And I was like, man, Elizabeth, preach it to me. But I think that's true for so much of our hard work in life, not even stuff to do with kids. So much of the hard work that we put in in life is laying foundations for things that we will only see the fruit of in many years. And, and, and actually, we may only see the fruit of it when we get to heaven. 
But that's so much what our hard work brings. So that's the fourth thing we do to show people that the good news is real by working hard. And please forgive me for throwing in that fourth point, okay? We are done. Don't worry, there's not a fifth point. So we show people that the good news is real by what? Sharing it. By number two, keeping going through hardship. By number three, being in community. But number four, working hard. This is good when they do bring it. This is helpful when they do bring it up. You know, it really helps everyone. But I really do believe if you focus your life on these things, then when you get to the end of your life, you'll be able to look back and you will be satisfied. I really do believe you will be satisfied because you will have lived your life well and you will have left a legacy of people who have been impacted by how you've lived your life. And I also believe you'll be welcomed into heaven by those beautiful words, well done, good and faithful servant. And that is, that's, that's what we're looking forward to, isn't it? That's the hope. Now, foxes know many things, but a hedgehog only knows one thing. Isn't that right, Becky? Yes. And um, in my analogy, the hedgehog does that one thing very well, <laughs> shall we say. Shall we put it like that? And our one thing, the one thing that Paul had, and the one thing is for us, is showing people that the good news of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins is real. And we show them that by what? Sharing it. We show them by keeping going through hardship, by being in community, and fourthly, by working hard. Yeah, just uh, I had a sense of God just put something on my heart for, for us here this morning, and it was just the, um, the line keep up the good work because <laughs> I think we've shared a lot of stuff here this morning and it's a lot of stuff that a lot of you are already doing I think God just wants to say well done keep up the good work thanks for listening to explore this sermon or learn more about our church please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media. And you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.